Hello and welcome to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Dragone. I have with me Father Andy, as usual, and today we have a very special guest, Father Dan Hoffman from Our Lady of the Lake in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania. Father Dan has been a priest for over 10 years, and he's in charge of campus ministry at Edinburgh University in conjunction with uh, four focus missionaries. Father Dan is also a judge on the marriage tribunal in the Diocese of Erie. Which, you know, reminds me that we got to get you come back for another episode for some of the other questions that came up in a few of our last episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So thank you very much, Father Dan, for joining us. And uh, I guess before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, It's a joy to be here. A little nervous. It's the first podcast I've ever recorded. So um, you're going to do fine. Bear with me. Um, But um, yeah, really happy to be here. Um, The mission of evangelization through technology is very dear to my heart. And um, I'm happy to uh, be a part of your mission and help spread the gospel in this way. So I am the oldest of three. I am 36 years old. I've, like Vince said, I've been a priest for 10 years. The best gift I've ever received was my ordination day, June 12th, 2009. And I just, every day as a priest is a gift. Um, Obviously not always easy, but very blessed to be a priest in my many assignments. I started as a parochial vicar in Greenville, Pennsylvania. And, uh, from there, I went to Canada Law School in Washington, D.C. at Catholic University for two years. And then after that, I've been back in the diocese at St. Luke's Parish as the parochial vicar there. A, I worked as the vice chancellor in the chancery. And and from there, I've been at Our Lady of the Lake as the pastor now for the past six years. And um, just re- very uh, blessed to be there as the pastor and to work with the college students and our four focus missionaries, which hopefully maybe we can do an episode. Yeah, on. I want to get them on. That, cool. that would be cool. Yeah, yeah real quick, just briefly, what is what are focus missionaries? Yeah, what so, do they do? So focus stands for Fellowship of Catholic University Students, and they are young adult Catholics ranging from you know twenty to thirty five years old generally that uh, have already finished their college degree. And are inspired to give years, a couple years of mission to evangelization on the college campus. And so they are sent um, by focus to various college campuses across the country and even throughout the world. And um, we're privileged to have four in Edinburgh. Um, but I think Focus now has over a hundred uh, university campuses wow. that they're at across the country and, and globally. Yeah, because it only started at like one or two, right? It was mm-hmm. really small. It started. It started at this small college in Kansas, Benedictine College, and from there, really just uh, exploded. Wow! Um, Thank God for that. Absolutely, man. We could use those in so many more places in our diocese, but in our world. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I guess let's get right into it. So. Uh, Father Dan, what are Marian apparitions? So basically what the word signifies, Mary, our Blessed Mother, is appearing even to this day um, in places throughout the world. And in throughout history, there have been nine major uh, approved apparitions by the church, but uh, Mary is still appearing to this day to many Many people, and we can get into the details of private revelation versus public revelation, but I think essentially what a Marian apparition is, is our mother 
still wants to be a mother to us. Mm-hmm. Our mother is still coming to us to lead us to her son, to lead us to a deeper life of prayer, a deeper life of holiness, and ultimately to show us the way to heaven. So our mother is still coming to to mother us in, in a sense. And I think that's basically the easiest way to describe what a Marian apparition is. Mary is still mothering her children, mothering the church. And it's beautiful how she keeps coming to us. Yeah. And if, if you haven't listened to our episode on Mary called Theotokos, go back and listen to it where we kind of explain why we see Mary the way we do yeah, and why no other Christian denomination uh, even looks at Mary the same way we do. Right. And, and this is, if you haven't listened to that, I would stop this and go back to that because that's going to explain a lot of things uh, that will, you know, that, that we're going to talk about today that we're not going to go into too much detail on, but the biggest thing I would say is Mary always points to Jesus in anything that uh, she does. So, no, we're not worshiping Mary. Mary's always pointing the way to Jesus. She always leads us to Christ. And so that's kind of so we're going to touch on some of those things when we, when we get to private and public revelation and whether or not you need to believe in these things. Uh, I know some people don't have the strongest devotion to Mary and others and others do. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle there. Sure. Uh, but uh, just to kind of get that out of the way, go listen to Theotokos if you haven't already. So that leads me into my question. All right, Father, I'm the skeptic. I have to play devil, devil's advocate because why not put the other priests in the room in charge of doing that? Um, and for those of you who don't know, that's actually a term that we use in canon law. But uh, so as devil, devil's advocate, I don't know about this, Father. Do I really have to believe that Mary is appearing for uh, my salvation? Good question, Father Andy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like I said, the other priests in the room asking the difficult questions. Absolutely not. is not essential for you to believe in Marian apparitions to be saved. What is essential for salvation is what we hear in the scriptures. Anyone who believes that Jesus is the Son of God is saved, has salvation. But is it helpful to salvation? Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. It's helpful to salvation. So even the church would say, Marian apparitions are not essential to our salvation, essential to profess belief in, but is it helpful to lead us to our salvation? Yes. Because as Vince beautifully said, Mary always leads us to the Lord and to the church. Um, two two key words, Marian devo- authentic Marian devotion, and we can extend that to authentic Marian apparitions are always both one Christocentric, which means Christ-centered, and ecclesial-centric, which means church-centered. That's a very good point. That's how the church determines authenticity of these Marian apparitions. Are they leading to a deeper relationship with Christ, but also are they leading to a deeper relationship with the church and the church's revelation and dogma and doctrine and the sacraments and such and such? Um, So yeah, are they essential for us to believe in? No, but why not believe in them, in yeah. my opinion? Yeah. Because they help us to believe more deeply in the essential facts of our faith in Jesus and in the church. Okay, so that leads my, to my second question. And uh, I think this is going to help us go a little bit further into some of the actual apparitions. But um, now, how how is it that we determine which apparition is true or not? Because, you know, uh, Susie from down the streets telling me that Mary's appearing to her every five minutes to tell her to bathe her cats. You know, uh, is that is that a real Marian apparition or or uh, or is it you know something that maybe she just needs some help? 
Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm asking all the hard questions here. Someone's got to do it. Again, I think we judge the authenticity of these Marian apparitions by the fruit they bear to the church at large. So Marian, authentic Marian apparitions are always going to be for the greater good of the church, for the larger community of the church. So that does not negate the consolation and the grace that we receive in prayer, that we're called to receive in prayer every day. Every day, the Lord wants to speak deeply into your heart. Every day, the Lord has a word for you to receive, you personally to receive, to grow in holiness and love. And Mary, too, you know, in, in our prayer and our relationship with her can have that word. But oftentimes, those things are just meant for you or maybe through you for your family or for your immediate circle of family or friends. Okay. Not That does not rise to the level of public apparition. So public apparitions, like the ones we, we'll, get, we'll get into, um, are always meant for the greater good of the church. They always have a universal, in a sense, Catholic, in that sense, meaning universal, universal message of, of, of salvation, a universal message of, of truth and teaching for the entire church, the entire world. So you mentioned there are nine approved Marian apparitions by the Vatican, correct? Correct. And I'm assuming Fatima is one of them? Correct, yeah. Let's talk about Fatima, because I think when you think of Marian apparitions, that's the one that I, I would say most people yeah. probably think of first. Well, yeah. what a perfect day, not to like break the third, uh, fourth wall, but it's today's her feast day. Well, Lords. Well, Lord. Oh, my, my mistake. Lord. See, see, I, so, I, I mix them up. All that's all right. No, I, no worries. We'll talk about Fatima, but we should talk about Lords too, because okay, we, certainly, certainly it is my favorite one after all. Okay. Lourdes, but well, why don't we save the best for last? But yeah, we'll do Fatima because yeah, you're right. That's the one that's probably the most popular. You're right. Yeah. And also I think the one that's the most misunderstood because of the so-called secrets. The secrets. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So um, basically Fatima uh, Mary appeared to three children, Lucia and her two cousins, Francisco and Jacinta. Um, and they saw Mary six times between May and October of 1917. And in this particular apparition, she described herself as Our Lady of the Rosary. And she urged prayer, particularly the rosary, as well as penance for the conversion of sinners and the consecration of Russia to her Immaculate Heart. So that, oh, yes. that's basically Russia. Fatima in a nutshell. But... Um, all right, I'm I'm not a history person. I'm really dumb and stupid because I, I didn't do well in history. So tell me, what's going on in the world about this time? Does anybody do you know? What, I, what year was this? 1912, did you say? 1917. So, 17. 17. It's right World before, War One was still just, going on, yeah. wrapping up the in 1918. Yeah. Um. So there's there's a lot of craziness going on. Yeah, the the world was in a lot of turmoil at at this time. And I think that's an important thing to note because oh, yeah. every time we look at one of these apparitions, something is going on major sure. in our world. Sure. Um, and, and so as we go through these, they're not going to be in order of time. They're kind of just going to be uh, how we feel to put them together. But so, but pay attention because if you listen to the years, it's going to show that there's some craziness going on in the world mm -hmm. that Our Lady is trying to speak to in one way or another. Absolutely. She's always trying to lead us to a, a correction, if you will. So like Father Andy said, you know, there's something, you know, that is... Um, basically breaking the heart of her son. And so she's appearing so that we can be a part of the solution, if you will, to be a yeah. part of the healing of, of the church and of the world. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So, and and when we're paying attention to her messages that she says in all these different apparitions, she's um, saying things that I think even each of us have experienced, not just the three of us here, but I think every person at some point in their life has experienced the pain that she's going to try to speak of. And so she's trying to call us back to um, a repentance and to follow Christ. Like you said, a Christocentric understanding. So what were some of the lessons to be learned out of Fatima? What were some of the the things that uh, Mary was saying to these children? Well, before I think we go into the particulars, yeah. I, I think Father Andy mentioned something that is important is that each of the married apparitions, they all have something and they each hold things in common. And part of that message in common is that Mary always urges us to deeper prayer, to penance for in reparation for our sins and the sins of the world, and to a level of sacrificial love. That's across the board for every single uh, Marian apparition. But what's cool about the apparitions, at least for me, is that Mary always, again, she's a great mother. So she always appears in a in a way that is recognizable for the people of that area or that time. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so obviously when she appeared at Fatima, she appeared as a, you know, beautiful, fair-skinned Portuguese woman that was very motherly to these children. And um, they encouraged um, she encouraged them to just be children of prayer, specifically for nations like Russia that were undergoing great turmoil and great, um, yeah. Sure, the, what, the Bolshevik Revolution Absolutely. was less than 20 years you know, yeah. prior to that. They, yeah, a lot of people were dying. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, there were famines, all sorts of bad stuff going on. Plus, they were in the middle of a war. Yeah. And I think it's important, like, we just realize that you know, Mary's a mother, so she loves us, but she also like wants to discipline us in a way. Yeah. You know, and you know, one of the things that she revealed to, I think it was one of the children, I'm sorry, I don't know which one it was, but she basically gave him or her a vision of what hell looks like. Right. Not to, you know, be unkind or mean to her, but to say like, um, we, our souls are are valuable to Jesus, and we need to make sure that we're keeping them on the right track. Yeah, and that this is a reality. Is, I was going to say, this, this is, is a reality, reality that yeah. we have to pay attention Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Because if we ignore it, we become like those in our society that have said there's no such thing as sin. Right. And that that leads us to a problem. Dangerous. And so Mary's calling us back to this repentance. Absolutely, yeah. What are some other things? I, I don't remember everything about this. I remember, all right, so um, back in grade school, Catholic grade school, I remember watching a video on this and I think it was the the strangest video, but it was, uh, you know, they tried to use it in fifth grade to show us what this whole apparition was. Mm -hmm. And I remember the kids, uh, Mary appearing to them and two of them saying, we can't hear her. We can't hear her. And so she says, tell them to pray five more rosaries and then they'll be able to hear me. I I don't, I don't know if that was true or not. I have a feeling that that's just for the video, but, um, what are some, what any, any other major things from this apparition that you think is, uh, has been important? I, I know that we threw this, we threw this at you like really fast in the last few days. So I feel bad, um, okay. not giving you enough no. time, but I know you love this topic and that's why I thought we got to bring you on for this one. Absolutely. And just, you know, just going through my notes, it was Lucia that was Lucia. revealed, okay. um, the vision of hell. And that's considered the first quote unquote secret of Fatima. Okay. And, um, this is what Mary said to Lucia. You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. 
To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. The war is going to end. But if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out during the pontificate of Pope Pius XI. And then she goes on. But she's saying, you know, let me be a mother to you. Let me lead you to Jesus. Let me let me show you the way to salvation. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful it is. way. It is a very beautiful thing. But I think another uh, sp- specific about Fatima that, you know, a lot of people uh, kind of know about is the miracle of the sun. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Tell our listeners about that. So basically during this uh, miracle, uh, the, the sun looked like it was dancing in the sky and it was a, you know, a, a thunderstorm, a, a rainy day. And then all of it during the apparition, everything cleared and everything dried up and the sun basically, yeah, looked like it was, it was super close and dancing in the sky. Wow. Wasn't there something like 30,000 people reported or 30,000 witnesses seen something like that where there, I mean, it's not just these three kids. That right. It was a lot of people, I think. It was. Um, yeah, there were a lot of witnesses, um, it says. I'm not sure exactly the number, but... Um, more than just three right. random kids. Absolutely. So, like, this is something that more people have seen, so it's not just something that, the oh, the church is making this story right. up. Like, right. this is real. This really happened. Outside witnesses are reporting to this. Right, and you're not going to have 30,000... You're not going to have thousands of people, or not even tens of people, right. just having a, a vision of this. I and mean, it's not... A, you know, they're not just... Uh, help me with the word... They're not some, in some sort of ecstasy. This right. is a reality. Exactly. This is something yes. that's really happening in yes. their eyes. And it's affirmed, but like yeah. you said, by a lot of people. And again, the church takes these things seriously. Yes. It's not like this happened and then three days later, like, oh yeah, the church said this is authentic. And right. it yep. takes literally decades, sometimes hundreds of years for after investigation for the church to make a determination. There is authentic, authenticity here. And this is something... Worthy of belief. Well, something, something I, I can... read today was it seems like the average amount of time for the church to approve an apparition is about a hundred years, yeah. sometimes longer. Yeah, and and the apparitions have to have stopped. That's the other major thing. Yeah. Is like the apparitions have to have stopped. Um, that's why you're, you know, if we get into this at some point, there's an apparition that is very fam- famous. Sorry about all of our listeners as I hit the microphone. There's a very famous apparition that's happening to this day, but the church hasn't come out with an official statement on it. Marjagoria, right? Marjagoria. Marjagoria. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. That's why it's correct. Because <laughs> we're in America. So it's a Marjagoria. No, it's uh, Medjugorje. And so, you know, we haven't, the church hasn't made an official statement on it. There's been some minor statements, but nothing official. So, you know, that's why we're talking, you know, it takes some time that the church doesn't say, you know, my friend down the street who's seeing Mary. Yeah, that really happened. No, that that takes some time mm-hmm. before the Lord, before the church will say yes. Absolutely. Which is a good thing. It is. Right. We can't just go around saying that uh, everything happened. Anyone could walk around. I mean, you can get book deals for yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. And just, yeah. just to make some money. <laughs> Maybe Jesus hey, appeared in my waffle or my omelet. Oh, we should have had waffles for dinner tonight. We could have made some money. I mean, um, anyway, so what's another uh, Marian apparition maybe that, um, you know, of we said there were nine that were um, officially taught, you know. If there's nothing else you want to say on that first, I kind of no, it's okay. I think we can move on to the next yeah. another one if you if you want. Yeah, please. Yeah, what what's another? Well, um, today today is actually the feast day of Our Lady of Lords, February 11th. All right. Um, so I think it'd be very appropriate to talk about Lords. Yeah, I think so too, and that would um, be a good one. Another good one that we can go in depth on. You know, because right. 
these are some good apparitions and good stories. Right. Have, have you been there? I have not. Um, it's on my bucket list. Okay. Um, we'll of all do that. of all the Marian apparition sites, Lords is on, number one on my list. Guadalupe is a close second, but um, but I definitely want to get to Lords. And I want yeah. I want to talk about why it's your favorite as well. So I just Lords is based on healing mm-hmm. in, a, in a lot of ways, and just um, Mary leading us to uh, not only physical healing, which she do, which she does and is continuing to do through her intercession at Lords, but just that deeper. Uh, healing of the heart and the soul of when we really surrender to the life of grace and really give our lives over to Christ. Um, And so healing has just been a very big part of my own spiritual life, um, but also a charism that I see in my, in my own life that I want to bring to others, especially like the spiritual emotional healing that comes when hearing confessions or doing spiritual direction, offering the greatest gift of healing in the, in the Eucharist sure. in the mass. So I just have a really kinship to Mary's charism of being a mother and bringing us to greater healing. Um, so yeah, I think that's why I'm so attracted to yeah. Lourdes yeah. myself. But um, but basically Lourdes, uh, the summary is that Mary started appearing to this little girl, Bernadette, um, St. Bernadette now, when she was eight, 14 years old. Um, she appeared 18 total times and in this little town of Lourdes, which is in southern France, in this grotto um, of Masse Biel. And Masse Biel was actually French for, I think, garbage dump, right? I'm, I'm sure. I'm not good with languages, um, but that kind of makes sense. Because um, that's basically what it was. That's where people dump their garbage, and um, which is interesting that Mary would choose to appear there to show that everything can be redeemed, mm-hmm. everything can be saved. But anyways, her basic message at Lourdes was, um, penance and prayer for the conversion of sinners. And this is where she described herself as the Immaculate Conception. Um, and Lourdes is most famous for the Miraculous Spring, which has been responsible for many cures accepted by the church. Because so, I was listening to um, every morning after I wake up, I ask um, the home assistant, who I will not say their name, because if anybody's listening on speakers and this wakes it up, I'm sorry. I don't want to do that for you. But um, Alexa, uh, I ask her, (laughs) what's the news? And I get the local and the national news. But then I also listen to Saints of the Day by Franciscan Media. And I really like that because once again, I was talking about Our Lady today. And so they, um, it was today that was the first apparition, right? So that today to break the, um, uh, immersion, it's the 11th of February. So on the 11th of February is her feast day, but it was a month later during the apparition that she stated that she was the Immaculate Conception. So mm-hmm. at, at first, she's just saying that she's, it's just this random lady, this beautiful lady, um, because that's the other thing. Everybody always says, it's this beautiful lady at first. She doesn't say who Absolutely. she is right away. She's just a beautiful lady. And then it was a month later, she said, I am the Immaculate Conception. And I, from everything that I've read in looking at Marian apparitions, it's it usually the person who's witnessing it, you know, just describes the woman Mary as a just a beautiful lady. Doesn't know who she is at first. Yeah, oftentimes appears in white. Yeah, um, but it's later revealed that she is Mary. As I guess they build rapport. Yeah, or, you know, after yeah. time goes on. Which I think, I mean, I know the story better when we get to Guadalupe. That's you know, that's that story right sure. there, that beautiful story. But what's amazing about Lords is that. You know, it, this this happened just four years after the church officially proclaimed the dogma of the Immaculate, Immaculate Conception. Conception. So right. Mary, in a way, uh, affirmed is it. affirming That's like beautiful. the church. The church is right. 
The yeah. church didn't make a mistake. I am the Immaculate Conception, That's and you can awesome. be, you can believe in this. And the Immaculate Conception is a dogma that is necessary for us to believe in as Catholics, because again, it's not it's not um, Jesus's Immaculate Conception. It's Mary's Immaculate Conception in her mother, St. Anne's womb, because she was to be the vessel of grace, the mother of God. That's so important to remember because you're right. That is an awesome way for her to say, yeah, you got it right, guys. For once, you got it right. Mm -hmm. So she's saying, yes, I am the Immaculate Conception. You have named me that because it is true. And I got to say, going back to what you mentioned with the healing, you know, from what I hear, again, I haven't been there either, uh, but there's a lot of (laughs) crutches and wheelchairs and walkers that are left there because of the physical healings that happen there. Absolutely. And that's, that's like the, that's the physical side of things where you can, a lot of people need to see something to believe it. Right. And that's one of those things where that's a witness to, uh, you know, to me, it's very beautiful because you have all these people were healed. They were physically healed and it's not just their, their faith that was healed. Right. And that happens a lot as well. But you, for those people who are questioning that's a way to lead you to Jesus. Yes. Yes. Because that's what Jesus did in the gospels. You see Jesus healing people that he, you know, the blind man, uh, the guy with the limpy arm, right. Uh, you know, and, and it's being done. What? The withered arm. The withered, the withered arm. arm. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just a testament that God is willing to do anything to get our attention. Yes. You know, God, doesn't want us to be sick. He doesn't want us to die. He doesn't want us to be burdened by sin. He He's willing to go to the nth degree to get our attention. And so even like these physical healings and miracles are still happening today. God is trying to show us, I'm real. Pay attention to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And Marian apparitions are, I believe, a really strong part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me more about her story, because I, I remember this vaguely from school, but... Um. So, so of course, no one believed her, you know, yeah. um, she, everyone thought she was crazy. And so she just... Uh, All right, we're going to stop here for a second. We're going to stop for a commercial break from a word from our sponsors. Just kidding. We don't have any sponsors, but we do have to take <laughs> we'll a break. We'll be right back with this question. So tell me a little bit more about Lourdes, because like I said before, it's seminary, you learn a little bit of everything. I want to know more. So yeah, Mary started appearing to St. Bernadette on um, the 11th of February in 1858. And the first time, I think we mentioned this already, but all she saw, she saw a beautiful young girl in a niche in the in the grotto um, near this rocky outcrop called Mase Biel, which again was basically the, the garbage dump of the town. Um, it was outside of the town, um, but she saw a brilliant light, this beautiful lady, and this woman with her arms extended towards Bernadette, and the woman was holding a, a, a rosary. And uh, so the woman asked her to pray the rosary with her, which she did, and then she just kept asking Bernadette, come back, come back. And every time she came back, she had more um, things to say to her. Eventually, uh Mary asked Bernadette to go to the parish priest and tell him about this. And uh, of course, the priest didn't believe her. Of course. You know, those those dang priests. Those, those, right? dang, oh, priests, those dang priests. You know, they just don't know what you're talking all, about. All, always skeptics, right? But um, over time, the priest saw the uh, the genuine 
um, devotion and love in in Bernadette, and he, even he, like, okay, there has to be something here. I'm not exactly sure she's seeing Mary, but something is happening in her because she is just so filled with joy and so filled with peace. And I think, again, that's another way to judge a apparition's authenticity. Is there genuine good fruit yeah. that is happening in the person? Is it leading the person to become more selfless instead of selfish? Is it leading the person to become more prayerful? Is it leading someone to become more sacrificial in their love and do good and leave a li- lead a life of virtue? Um, again, that's another way to, I think, judge um, the authenticity of a Marian devotion. So anyways, Father is seeing this in Bernadette, and he's like, he's intrigued. And so he says, okay, keep keep going and let, let me know. Eventually, Mary says to Bernadette, okay, I want you to dig, dig, start digging. And so she starts digging, and that's when the spring of water comes up. Wow. And okay. to this day, that spring of water is still there, and people, as we mentioned, flock there from all over the all over the world to bathe in those waters. There, are, those baths are still there, and there are miraculous healings. If you just go online and t- type in Lords, every day you can see a there's a, a beautiful procession, rosary procession, candlelight procession. Um, and just flocks of people that go there to encounter the healing of Jesus through Our Lady. Yeah, that candlelight procession, I hear about that a lot and how much um, that is so moving for people when mm-hmm. they get there. Um, and yeah, well, you know what? I think, Father, we're just going to have to make a plan to go there soon. Sure, absolutely. Next, Once I get back, yeah, you two events, come along. on. All right, the three of us. We'll go on a pilgrimage and we'll All right. we'll bring the podcast with us. What do you Ooh, think? That'd be cool. That'd be fun. That would be cool. Live from... Lords. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. But future, I got to go to the Holy Land first. Lucky. Which I think while I'm there, this episode's going to go live. So maybe. How's Break. that going to happen? I don't know. Do, 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 Break in the fourth do, do, do. wall. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, so this, yeah. So Lords, it, uh, how long, remind me, how long did it go on for that the apparitions? I don't remember. You know what? I'm not exactly sure. It went on for a while, but. I mean, it wasn't hundreds of years, obviously, because it's right. only while she was alive that it was happening. Right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how long it went on. But it's okay. We can always put that in the show notes. Yeah, if, I, it if I remember show now notes. Now you're going to have to, yeah, I'm gonna actually gonna have have to, to actually look it up. Yeah. You got some homework to do. Great. Yep. But one cool thing about St. Bernadette, just as a side yeah. note, is that she's uh, an incorrupt saint. Oh. Um, so basically, have you have you done incorrupt saint? No, we, we haven't, haven't done so that yet. explain. Yeah, please. So, um, when the church, you know, examines a cause for canonization, one thing they do immediately is they exhume the body of a saint, one, to get relics, um, which if you haven't talked about relics Not yet. yet. That's another good topic that you can come back and talk <laughs> to us about because you were good on that one. To be continued. Um, but one thing they see is the the state of the, the, the body. And there are many saints that are considered incorrupt. Basically, they, as it sounds, did not decay at all after they died. St. Bernadette is one of those saints, and it's a mark, obviously, that the, the Lord had blessed this person with outstanding sanctity, um, even in the sense that he didn't even want their physical body to undergo any corruption. So you can still see the incorrupt body of St. Bernadette to this day. And um, Where's she at? She is, um, I believe she's at a place called Père Lemonial. Okay. Um, near Lourdes, I'm assuming? Near, near Lourdes. Near Lourdes, okay. But... Um, She's in a glass coffin, and if you look at her, 
again, I encourage you just Google St. Bernadette. You'll see she just looks like she's sound asleep. Yeah. She has the rose in her cheeks. She looks just like the day she died, you know, just peacefully sleeping. And um, it's amazing. That is amazing. And I think um, it's just, again, another sign of the authenticity of this Marian apparition for her, but also the good fruit that came from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah. That's a beautiful story. Lord's is just such a great story. So many um, wonderful things have come from there. So many healings, like we said. So thank God for Mary and Mm -hmm. thank God for her apparitions. Mm -hmm. But I think one that we all would know pretty well, I think, at least coming from the States and I don't know, going to a Catholic grade school in the United States for some reason always brought this up, and is uh, Guadalupe and uh, the story there. Because, like I said, it's I think it's one that a lot of people are going to know right away. Um, and it's uh, one that I had to study a lot because I had to study the lingua de espanol in, oh, in Miami. So yeah. I had to study Spanish in Miami at um, some fun times in the summer over seminary. And, of course, they talked heavily about that there. So I should have brought my Our Lady of Guadalupe candle down. I, I was going to bring that. it down. I had it in my hand. I'm like, last time I lit this, it didn't stay lit. So uh, next oh, time. Well. That's all right. We have to do something on, We I think we should do full episode on Guadalupe, but that's a whole other cool. story. Yeah. I think you could do a whole podcast oh on Our Lady gosh, Guadalupe. Yeah. But, um, but this one happened in 1531. Um, she appeared four times to St. Juan Diego on this little hill outside of Mex- Mexico City. And uh, in this apparition, she pro- proclaimed herself as a spiritual mother to the world. Mm. Um, and what's so beautiful about this apparition is that she actually left a physical image of herself on what's right. called a, a tilma, which would be um, basically a cloak that the uh, native uh, Indians of that area would wear. She left her image, which we know today as the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, mm-hmm. on this tilma. And to this day, that that tilma, which was made basically out of cactus fibers, right. which would you know decay and break apart after probably just years for over what five hundred years yeah, now. Yeah, it's been a crazy nearly yeah, five hundred years. Yeah, that tilma has not decayed, and that image is just as clear and vibrant as. Uh, the day she left that image on her tomb. And also, didn't I hear there was a bomb that exploded not too far from it? Yeah. Destroyed a lot of things around it, but didn't even touch it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's and that's such a great story. Um, You know, the fact that Juan Diego walking to daily mass every Mm -hmm. single day, trying to go to daily mass, and he would always cross through this area, and she appeared to him. Another, this is where you really hear about when he goes and talks to the bishop, a beautiful lady, a beautiful lady. Yeah, just a beautiful lady again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I love about Our Lady of Guadalupe is that, again, Mary wants to affirm the revelation that happens both in the scriptures, but also in the tradition. But in this case, the sacred scriptures, because she's literally in her on her on the tilma as the image that she leaves behind. She is clothed yeah. with the stars and the sun. Yeah, and that is exactly how the Book of Revelation in the New Testament describes Our Lady in the celestial kingdom, in the heavenly kingdom, that she's clothed with the stars and the sun, with the moon beneath her feet. And that is the exact image that she leaves on the tilma of of St. Juan Diego. How cool. Yeah. It's amazing. And isn't it, and uh, I mean, we I don't know if we can 
affirm this 100%, but I remember uh, Father Justin Matro mentioning in class when we discussed this, that as they studied it more and more, her eyes were eyes, um, they were just so vibrant and uh, could reflect the image of Juan Diego showing this to the bishop. Uh, there's something about that I remember studying and hearing in class that, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's almost like a living thing. Not that it's, you know, has a heartbeat, but it, it shows something very, um, a story. It's showing a mm -hmm. story that's alive. There, yeah. There've been so many just studies done on this, on this image and uh, on the Tilma itself. And, uh, Everyone that studies it is is actually drawn not only um, into the beauty of the tilma, but they all have stories of immense conversion because yeah. of the grace of God that is present. Again, not taking the place of God, but this this apparition, this image is leading them to an encounter with God. Sure, and it's it's amazing. Remind me, so Juan Diego is going to mass every day. What was it that Mary asked of him? She wanted him to build a church, church a chapel right. on this hill. Um, and so Mary says to St. Juan Diego, take this message and tell the bishop to build a church. And again, those darn, those, those those darn, darn bishops and priests, they, they, never, they never believe, you know, they never want to believe. So um, hopefully that's not never the case with Father Andy. No, I, I pray not never. for both of our <laughs> sakes. Never. But, um, but the bishop's basically like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Show me some proof. Um and so St. Juan Diego uh, go, actually tries to avoid yeah. avoid Mary because he, he's afraid like, that he doesn't want to go back to the bishop because he's, you know, he's just a very simple guy and he doesn't want to be shut down again. But so he actually goes a different way, but Mary is smarter than him <laughs> um, and appears. And, and basically Mary tells Juan Diego, okay. If Bishop wants proof, go up to the top of the mountain and pick these roses, Castilian roses, which it was December. So they, there, there was no way naturally that those roses would ever be in bloom during winter. But there they were in full bloom. Pick the roses, put them in your tilma and give those to the bishop as proof. And he thinks that just these roses is what's going to be the proof. And, and that would be, I don't know about you, but that would be proof enough for me. Sure. And little does he know. And once he uh, you know, drops his tilma, we get this beautiful image. The image is left behind. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And that was that was, and now to this day, that little chapel that Mary wanted to wanted uh St. Juan Diego to build is, is now a huge church, a huge basilica just outside wow. again, outside of Mexico City where millions and millions of pilgrims every year flock to. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go and just Terrified to go into Mexico City. You know, it's kind of funny because not just bring this topic up, but going to the Holy Land, that was my fear the first time. Because uh -huh. everybody says, oh, you're going to die. You're, it's going to be horrible. People are going to attack you. And then you get there and like, this is awesome. Nobody's yeah. going to hurt you. So I kind of feel like maybe that would be like that. I I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, the drug lords know. scare me. But right, yeah. I would love to go to see this this little chapel that's now a basilica. Yeah, that'd be cool. It's just a beautiful idea. Another cool thing. Sorry, I, no, love, I love yeah, Our Lady please, Guadalupe. Please go. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah so, please. Um, another cool thing about Our Lady is she she's she's pregnant in in right. the image. Um, I never realized that. Yeah, I she, forgot. So if you look closely at the image, she is wearing. First of all, again, I, I think I mentioned Mary always appears um, in the kind of the customary uh, dress, but also the customary way that that they would look. In that in that region, so skin color and things sure. like that. So Mary appears to these, you know, in these native Indians, Indians um, or Aztecs, dark, like Aztecs, yeah, Aztecs, yeah. dark, 
darker skinned, um, with kind of the features of a typical Aztec woman, but she is visibly pregnant. She has a little baby bump, which is mm. awesome, but you can tell she's pregnant because she has the traditional, um, Aztec, um, basically labor band okay. around her, oh. around her waist. If you look at the image closely, oh. which is profound on a lot of reasons. One, she is no, she today, she is the patroness for the unborn. Right. And of course, that is the greatest scourge, I think, upon our yes. country and upon yes. our culture is, you know, the terrible uh, killing of our unborn Absolutely. brothers and sisters in abortion. Absolutely. So that she's a fitting patroness for, yeah. for know, that. This makes a lot of sense because I see the pictures all the time of the Franciscans in New York City yeah. marching to the abortion clinics. Yeah. And they have this huge image of Our Lady of Guadalupe behind them. Yes. And they do it all the time. And it's... I've all, I've always wondered why Our Lady of now that all makes sense. Absolutely, it all makes sense. But again, she's also speaking to the kind of cultural atrocities of her t- of that time, and, right? And during that time, the Aztecs were known for uh, uh, offering child oh, sacrifices. sacrifices. Yeah. yep. And yeah. so she's it's a visible witness and a visible challenge to that culture, saying this is not what God intends. So just as she is doing it in the 1500s in Mexico, this God does not intend you to sacrifice your children. Even to this day, Mary is still saying, God does not intend us to sacrifice our children on the altar of convenience and abortion. Right. It's just a beautiful continuing witness of our Mary leading us to a deeper faith and conversion of the truth, you know, um, I love of, of how beautiful life a is. A message over or 500 years ago is still rings true today. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's beautiful and the same uh, thing. It's sad. You know, it's sad that we still have to say mm-hmm. that. Well, yeah, we shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to say that. I mean, she should have, her message should have been not enough mm-hmm. for once, but, you know, uh, like you said, out of convenience, out of um, just ill will, just out of just not wanting to take responsibility, it, we've now accepted this. And I think that's what we do as humans. You mentioned Andy and uh, Father Andy in a couple episodes back about God and his covenants. Yeah. And does God ever break his covenants? No, it's no, always us that breaks always his us. covenants. Exactly. Absolutely. He's always faithful. We so are always the we ones always, failing. We always fail yeah. at, at some point. But always. there's salvation. And Mary's, like you said, as we've said over and over again, Mary is always pointing us towards that salvation. And she always has a message of hope. Yeah, Mary is a sign of hope. Because um, in the image, again, if you look closely, she is standing on the, on the, um, on the moon, you see her feet crushing the head of the serpent. Right. So through Mary, of course, it's Jesus that wins always, but through Our Lady, Jesus is winning the victory, and Mary is crushing the head of, of the serpent. And um, so God wins. We just have to make sure that we allow God to keep winning in us. And Mary is a great sign of how God can keep winning in us. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. But anyways... It's a very um, beautiful, again, authentic, real, um, very powerful Marian apparition for our, for our age, for our culture. Yeah, Excellent. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about some other apparitions. Yeah, whatever. I, I think we could be talking about, like we said, we should do a whole episode just on uh, Guadalupe. There's should, so yeah. much, so much that we could talk about and connecting it with our pro-life work, etc. But what are just List us some of the other ones. So, yeah, the nine major ones are, of course, Guadalupe in Mexico, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, there's another one that happens in France, the apparitions of the Rue de Bac. Right. That's when Mary appeared to St. Catherine Labore. 
um, in Paris and reveal to her the devotion of the miraculous medal. Okay. Um, there's the apparition of La Salette, which also happened in France. Um, seems to be a lot of France. I know. It I think there's like a lot that. to do there with like the uh, the whole making reparations for the Avignon papacy and mm. things. I don't know. That's just my perhaps thoughts yeah. on that. Perhaps. Then there's Lords, which we talked about already. Yeah. Um, another one in France, the apparition of Pont Main in France. I don't know a whole lot about that one, but it uh, in my notes it just says Mary appeared in the sky over the small town of Pont Main in the northwestern France to a group of young children for about three hours in January of 1871, as the Franco-Prussian War was threatening the area. Oh. Her message appeared on a banner under her feet and encouraged prayer, again a universal theme, while emphasizing Jesus' love and concern. That village itself was spared invasion. Wow. Well, now, so that's something else I thought of too. Other than uh, Guadalupe, I'm pretty sure she only appears to children in the beginning. Like they're hmm. younger, they're younger people. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think, um, I think with Guadalupe, with um, Saint Juan Diego, he was, as they say, a simple man. So mm-hmm. he wasn't someone that was rich or affluent or important. He was a simple man. And then these children, once again, simple. You know, because children, they are. As you know, Vince mm-hmm. as a father, and as we know, Father Dan as as spiritual fathers, the, the children have the faith that is necessary to um, preach these messages. And also, I think the gospel message of Jesus telling us to become more childlike, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. You know, to you know, to become truly more trusting and surrendering to the Father's heart, and we can learn that message from from children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so what other what other ones we have? Um, we have Knock, Ireland. Knock, Ireland. Yes, um, good old Ireland. <laughs> Mary appeared at Knock, a small village in County Mayo, Ireland of August 1879. Um, I guess it says a number of villagers of diverse ages here saw a silent okay. apparition, lasted about three hours outside the gable end of the local church. They saw three figures, Mary Joseph and St. John the Apostle, as well as the lamb on the altar and angels. Right, and she sat there praying for... Three hours, or how many hours did you say? Three? Since three hours. Three yeah. hours. Wow. Not saying. And this word. is a very this, this is That's a very beautiful. popular devotion too. I know a lot of folks that go to Knock still today. Um, we have Fatima, Portugal, which we t- chatted about already, and then two in Belgium: apparitions of Burang in Belgium and the apparitions of Beno in Belgium. I haven't heard of either of those. No, I neither can't have say I. I. Yep, but yeah, these are those are the nine major. Approved uh, Marian apparition, and that's key. There is approved, approved, because as we mentioned, and we'll just briefly touch on this because I think this could also devote itself to an entire podcast because there's just so much. There's so many people that have a devotion to it, um, whether it's approved or not. Is um, Mergigori, Mergigori, Mergigoria, <laughs> um, and I mean, I remember back in high school with Father McCormick uh, in uh, World Geography, he talked about it a lot, and he has a uh, somewhat of a devotion to it. So growing up in our home parish, my home parish of St. James, um, you know, I, I remember learning a lot about Medjugorje. Um, I know a couple of people with a devotion to it. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people Me take too. trips right. there, yep. you know, and my mom wants to go there. So another trip that I know I'm just one day I'm going to take, but I know one woman that folds the flyers for them. Yeah. Um, with, uh, Mrs. June Clins. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. June. Um, she was Funny enough, she was my math tutor in high school, so June's okay. a great lady. But so there's these people that have the devotion to Medjugorje, and um, I remember a little bit about it. But I see you have an article there by Father John Tregilio. I do, yeah. yeah. Basically, um, it's just Medjugorje, I think, um, again, can be judged by 
I believe, the fruits that come from Absolutely. it. And there's a lot of good fruits. Like we've said with Lords, a lot of healing. Yeah. I and, think what we really, I guess to start off with, yeah. uh, it, before we start this segment here is, you know, when we look at an apparition to whether, to know whether it is true, something we should look to yeah. or something that could be an evil spirit. Yeah. Uh, you know, an evil spirit's not going to tell you to follow Jesus no. and to follow the church. It's always going to lead you, um, or I guess a contrary way right. from that. Follow and me. Follow exactly, me. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's something that we need to at least, when we're talking about a private revelation of Absolutely. some kind, if someone's talking to you about Susan, who saw Mary telling you to feed her cats, yeah. feed the cats or whatever it is, uh, or bathe your cats. <laughs> that, that, oh, that poor, poor woman. <laughs> you, poor woman. You have to look at uh, what's being said. Right. And is it leading you to Jesus? As we mentioned, Mary is always pointing the way to Jesus or is it leading you to something else? Right. And that's one way to judge whether or not you can at least put some trust into it. Right. And one, one thing to keep in mind too, Father Andy mentioned this, that um, the church will not make a definitive statement about uh, the authenticity of Marian apparitions until they're done, until Mary stops appearing. And um, that's one reason the church hasn't made a definitive statement on Medjugorje because Mary is supposedly still appearing to these visionaries in, in Medjugorje. Right. So, um, but as Vince said, you know, the fruits are there. Mary's message is the same message that she had in Fatima and Lourdes and Guadalupe pray fast, do penance, sacrifice, come to, come to a deeper conversion in faith in the Lord and in the church that he revealed to you the same message. Um, and so I think, again, that's another, another way we can judge that this is, you know, um, authentic and something to be trusted. She's always pointing back to Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. So once again, Christocentric and ecclesial centric. So Christ and his church, his church, not anybody else's church, right. Christ church on earth. So right. Just to, what a beautiful, beautiful message there. So cool. e- even though our church hasn't approved it, it's, um, as far as I know, there's never been a disapproval of it. No. In fact, Pope Francis um, very recently, you know, said that um, there is nothing to prevent any pilgrim to go to Medjugorje um, to pray, to go on pilgrimage, to uh, go on retreat there. He he said, please go and and basically delve into the fruits that are happening there. Again. Asking us to pray for the church. And that was Absolutely. just last year too, wasn't it? Yeah. Because before that, very recent. a church wasn't supposed to have a, uh, wasn't supposed to have a pilgrimage there. Officially. Right. Officially. Right. It wasn't yeah. the last year that after Pope Francis right. said it was okay, that the first one official pilgrimage. And one of his went, right? major prayers has been, as far as I remember over the last year, since he said that even before that was that we might, um, that the Lord might show us that this is real, that this is really mm-hmm. happening. And sure. this is really, uh, you know, changing hearts. And I think even since then, and like I said, um, I've been out of high school now 10 years. I can't believe it. Uh, I know I'm, I'm still young. I'm the youngest in the room. I get that. But um, that even then the church was asking, please, Lord, show us, show us your church that you are really here in a special way through your mother. And she's been saying that ever since. And again, personally, I I judge it by the fruits. I, yeah. There's a woman at my parish, one of my you know spiritual directees. Yeah. That um, you know, just be, w- recently went to Lords and uh, very uh, very already a very devoted, faithful woman of prayer and love, but just a lot of personal things that she was struggling with with her family. Yeah. 
And she came back completely transformed, hmm. you know, it, kind it's of bur- amazing. She was burdened, way. you know, before she went with just these worries and anxieties about her family. And she came back just with that confidence and trust that everything's going to be under control. They're under Mary's protection, That's under awesome. Mary's mantle. And now she just has a peace about her and a surrender about her. Um, and again, so that's the fruit of prayer. That's the fruit of Our Lady's motherly care and intercession, leading her to that's beautiful. a deeper trust in Jesus. You know, you hear the stories where I go to Medjugorje and my rosary turns gold and stuff like that. That didn't happen for her. I've heard of people that it has happened. I know people that that's happened. But in a sense, I trust more yeah. her experience because it's more of an interior experience that she has to live out every day. And she continues to strive to live that out every day. I was just about to say that because I I would trust, you know, those are nice things that when God makes a physical miracle, but Mm -hmm. it's those spiritual miracles, at least I think as are the spiritual fathers of a community that really make a difference on us as the priests. Because I I don't know, when I'm dealing with someone in spiritual direction as a director, uh, when someone is able to make that leap of faith in their spiritual life, it just brings so much consolation to me as the director, not just to them. It's amazing how much, you know, consolation we get. And so hearing that Mary gave her this consolation is a a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift and beautiful witness to our church. So even though, like we've said, it may not be officially, um, you know, stated as one of the uh, ways, you know, soon, maybe we could have the list be up to 10 approved Marian apparitions. But um, for now it remains at nine, but we have a beautiful, opportunity for Mary, who, um, once again, is speaking to us over and over again to have faith in Christ, have faith in his church, to pray for your priests, to pray for the Pope, and to pray for peace. You know, these things that she's saying over and over again throughout turmoil in the world. Like I said, she's always showing up in our world at points of turmoil so that there might be a conversion and there might be a change of heart. And there usually is, it follows that. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it takes hundreds of years, you know, people are still being touched by Lourdes. People are Mm -hmm. still being touched by Guadalupe. People are currently being uh, helped through the intercession of Our Lady, through the different apparitions throughout the world. That's right. Absolutely. So we're running out of time here, but so I want to wrap it up. So uh, Father Dan, do you have anything to plug? Just fall in love with Our Lady. Because the more you fall in love with Our Lady, the more you're going to fall in love with Jesus and the church. St. Maximilian Colby said, it's impossible to love Mary enough because we can never love her more than Jesus did. Yeah. So, so, you know, don't, don't be afraid. Like I've had many people say, well, the more I love Mary, I feel like I'm taking that away from Jesus, but it's the opposite. Yeah. The more we give our hearts and our souls to our mother, the more she'll not only protect them and guide them, but she'll lead them to an authentic love and relationship with with the Lord. So I just say, if Marian apparitions help you to do that, and they've helped me in a lot of ways, go at it, you know, believe them. But more in general, just trust in Our Lady and trust in her motherly care for you and um, let her help you to be a saint. Let her help you to be a saint. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you, Father Dan, for coming along. You're welcome. It's my uh, pleasure. You are second guest in the podcast. Wow. So, uh, And we get to keep you captive. Yeah, that's what that means. You're now. not running away yet. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, it's good to have, you know, uh, like I said before, people get bored listening to me talk, so I'm grateful to have someone else to, Absolutely. and especially another priest, you know. Um, we've had Brother Barnabas. He's studying to be a priest, but it's good to have another brother mm-hmm. on to be able to talk about these things. So thank you myself as well. Um, and I know our guests thank you and we thank you for listening today and uh, joining us on this continued journey. 
Uh, Vince, where, where can they get more information about us? So you can go to www.encountermercy.com to find our website uh, where we have everything about us. You have all of our social media links for Facebook, Instagram. And if everything goes according to plan, YouTube for this episode. Our first episode video. So it all depends on how well I can edit video uh, in a timely manner and uh, and to see if this setup even looks good in our new studio. I'm looking uh, forward to seeing I am going to tease the new studio on, on social media coming up here soon. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But you can always listen to our podcast on our website. Or you can listen to pod- our podcast literally anywhere where you listen to podcasts. That could be iTunes, uh, Android, uh, uh, Google and Android, and the same thing. Yeah, I think just, I don't yeah. Know. Spotify, Spotify iHeartRadio, literally all of them. You could find us because Father Andy did a fantastic well, job. If you have everywhere. any suggestions on where you want to find us, let us know. Send us an email. You can do that on our website, encountermercy.com slash contact. Send us an email. Give us a phone call. Uh, and we will hopefully get back to you quickly. Facebook messaging as well. So Yeah. Yep. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Peace. Peace.